Welcome to the Luge Rugby Podcast with your hosts, Derek Brissett and Dan Murphy. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us tonight. We've got a lot to talk about, and we will start right ahead. So, the first thing Derek and I want to kind of jump into is that we had a sevens tournament this weekend uh, down in Hamilton, New Zealand. Uh, the Canadian women finished second, and the Canadian men finished fifth. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to talk about something that's not just about the teams first. We're going to talk about the format of this tournament, because it wasn't great, folks. It was just not great at all. Um, Derek, do you agree with me? Because I feel like, and a good amount of fans feel like this was just a horrible decision. Uh, yeah, I feel like... Um... The general consensus is that it sucked. Um, it was. I don't think. I don't think anybody really liked the format. Um, I think my, my. I think for me, my biggest issue with the format isn't that they changed the format, and even if it's just that they changed it halfway through the season, um, which is just a makes it even more bizarre. Um, there's a lot of teams that could have got extra points that in like the standings or they could have moved up um, that didn't have the chance to do it in Wellington because they changed the format for this tournament. Um, especially like, I mean, for a team like Canada too, you go literally like you didn't lose a game in the pool stage, but you didn't qualify for the knockout stage and are just forced to play like that fifth place playoff game. Um, and like, you know, if you have that quarterfinal round, it's like you go to the quarterfinals, anything can happen in that. Maybe Canada finishes higher than fifth. That's extra points in the the series standings, um, right? And it's like that you took that opportunity away from teams that they would have had that opportunity in a previous tournament. Um, so it's like I feel like now like the entire, like if they, they kind of keep going, I think they're doing it again this weekend in Australia, right? And, um, they are. And if, and if people aren't aware of what format we're talking about, um, essentially uh, the World Rugby eliminated the quarterfinals uh, and just made the semifinals with four teams and the fifth and the sixth team played each other for, for, for fifth and sixth. So on the men's side, that meant that Canada uh, had to play against the U.S. and they ended up beating them. And it, it is, and I agree with you, it is just frustrating because especially with how young Canada's team is, that extra game, that extra quarterfinal game against, you know, whoever it would have been, it might have been, you know, New Zealand or Fiji or France again, but it would have given them an opportunity to grow again. And, you know, a lot of these guys need that time and need that uh, extra shot. And then maybe they could have won and played another game. And I'm not saying that they're not going to learn from the U.S. The U.S. are one of the best in the world. But I'm just saying that, when you cut them off at just that one game and that inability to grow even farther, as it stands right now, Canada, at least on the men's side, are in ninth place. And if they had a chance to move on to the semifinals, it would have boosted them up even further and given them a yeah. lot more motivation to and, and, and bravado, let's say, to uh, do a little bit better closer to the Olympics. But on the women's side, uh, they had a much better finish. Uh, they ended up grabbing silver at the tournament, losing to New Zealand in the final with two of their members, uh, Ben and Malachi, uh being named to the Dream Team. So, tough game against New Zealand. It was, uh, it was close in the first half. In the second half, New Zealand, I don't know if they were just used to the climate and the heat, 
which actually was quite funny to see, you know, for the first couple of games, I'm like, wow, there wasn't a big crowd. And then, you know, after, you know, it got cooler out and they switched to the other side, you're like, oh, that's because everyone's in the shade. Ah, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I, I think the, the New Zealand team is probably more used to New Zealand weather than the non-New Zealand teams. Well, I mean, the whole point—that's like the, the whole point of like home field advantage, is it not? Yeah, is that you're used well, to even it. The, even the Americans practice in California, so they would at least get similar weather in parts yeah. of their training season. But they, the Canadians are practicing in rainy BC, so they're they're definitely taking out of their comfort zone. But you know they played well, and a little bit of history was made. Um, Bianca Ferrella scored her hundredth hundred and fiftieth try. That made her the second woman to ever reach that mark behind Portia Woodman, uh, Woodman, who is just a legend in the seventh circuit, especially on the women's side. You know, she's Derek, uh, she's five tries away from 200. Like that's the gap between her and Farella right yeah. now. And then behind Farella is just Landry. So, you know, we got a couple of uh, Canadians chasing Woodman. Um, all in all, I mean, take away the, uh, the, the debacle of the no quarterfinals. This was a pretty good, uh, weekend for uh, for Canada at this hit tournament, and I'm going to focus on the men's side for a minute, Derek. And you kind of get the sense that Canada is starting to get a little bit of their stride. You know, now they have uh, Theo Sauter and Andrew Coe kind of bolstering the, the regular roster, and it's a little bit more healthy. I mean, Connor Braid's healthy again, and Adam Zarumba has been uh, been keeping himself re- re- uh, relatively healthy. Do we kind of feel like this men's side is starting to get a little bit of a you know cycle and and get a little bit more motivation and and bravado leading into the next the next couple of tournaments? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. It's uh you know it's it's always it's always nice to get you know your uh, some of your healthy bodies back. Um, so uh, you know that's always the a huge benefit. Um, this you know I believe like this is one of their their highest finishes of the year. If not, is it, it is the highest finish they've had this year, is it not? Well, before the or, quarterfinals, who, who, yeah, you know, in the quarterfinals, I think they made it to one before. Ah, all right. So, well, okay. So yeah, so it's like you know it's up there. So it's good to be for them to be act like you know if they starting to find their groove and hit their stride. I mean, this season, you know, it's like we kind of all know like what this this year kind of is, right? It builds up to the the. Uh, the Tokyo Olympics, and that's the uh, that's the big prize this year, um, you know. So as long as you're kind of building up to it, um, but I know you had a, more of an opportunity to see them play. So like, what did you think of the performance in relation to earlier in the year? I think that there's a lot more. Uh, they're a lot more patient with some of their play. Like again, maybe that's just you know we got Nate Harry Am and Harry Jones who are kind of seasoned vets with Connor Braid, but then. There's still a lot of really young guys like uh, Young Feel and uh, Josiah Mora. You know, they both are, are young guys that are on this team, and I, I feel like they're starting to see a little less panic, a little bit more time in terms of uh, taking their time, reading the plays, not falling for dumb penalties, not running. You know, this is one of the things that my old rugby coach used to say whenever I attempted to play sevens in high school: is you know, don't run after the guaranteed tries because you're going to burn your burn yourself out and that always seemed very strange for me and it made oh, sense yeah. and 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 you see a lot less of that with uh with the younger guys especially and i think that they've just done a much better job with being resilient you know you saw that in the ireland game you saw that in the france game the pool stages 
And, and, you know, on the women's side, they just keep on trucking along. They're playing so well. They're so talented and they're, they're starting to get their youth movement injection uh, this year, especially. So it's just been fun to watch the women play. And I think that they've got big things coming. And I think that they're, they're setting themselves up to be able to beat anybody in the world. Um, I think that, you know, there's some days where they can beat New Zealand and maybe last Sunday, which just wasn't the case. So it's, I'm, I look forward to seeing how they uh, turn next weekend. You know, they're going to be in Australia, so it'll be very similar weather, and we'll see how it turns out. But we're going to move on now, and we're going to talk about the Toronto Arrows. Uh, so last week we talked about all the other teams in MLR and talked about all the Canadian teams, uh, but now we're going to focus on Canada's team. Um, the first thing I want to talk about, and it's a quick one because our intrepid Derek, our reporter on the ground, uh, made a trip down to uh, to New York, and he made a trip down to Buffalo and saw a little bit of a scrimmage. Um, if anyone is interested to hear his thoughts, uh, Layman Sports is where he uh, puts all his articles up, and uh, it was a great recap of it. But Derek, just name a couple of things that happened in that uh, that scrimmage that really Arrows fans and Canadian rugby fans should know about. Uh, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing is, I think, you know, the more, I think, out of all the, the video that I've seen um, leading throughout this preseason, whether it be the, the Colorado uh, the Colorado scrimmage, the Utah actual game, or this Rooney scrimmage, um, this, this scrum is going to murder teams. Um, like, the, the scrum is dominant. It'll, um, it's going to, like, carry on that way. I shared a couple of videos um, on my Instagram and Twitter page. Uh, which are both Brissette the Jet, if anybody wants to go check them out, um, that are uh, just the arrows kind of blowing up some of Rooney's scrums. Rooney uh, didn't have two of the better props there, guaranteed, but um, the, uh, you know, Toronto was still getting the upper hand regardless of who they put in the scrum. They started kind of, I don't want to say they were like messing around, but like they were, they tried like different combinations. They were trying... Like, you know, Brower and Keith on the other side of the scrum. Uh, Keith went to loose for a bit. Brower was playing tight head for, uh, tried a tight head scrum. Asiata was jumping back and forth as he should be doing and as he does. Um, they tried, like, you know, Shepard playing eight man, different guys at flanker, stuff like that. Um, all kind of different guys at flanker and the second level two. And it was just kind of, they were, like you know, they, you have the time. That's the benefit of one of these training sessions is, is you can work on different combinations and stuff. Everybody, uh, everybody got time, you know, time in. Um, whether it be the scrum or the lineout, like everybody was involved um, throughout the session. So it's a good way to see every single. Like if you're Mark Winnipeg, Chris Silverthorne, like it was a great way to see every single player. Um, you know, you're not limited to the roster size of a of a game, right? match day 23 or you know some of these preseason games have extended the rosters to like 24 25 but you know it's a good way to see every single player in um and the scrum was the scrum was great regardless of who was in new york did and probably got a you know they did get a couple penalties and stuff in there but like overall it would have been like it was toronto scrum um the line out uh probably like i mean the line out was you know, it the arrows lineup looks significantly better with uh, Thomas De La Vega in it. Um, he uh, he was uh, easily he was their primary target that was used 
Um, he was also, you know, the guy calling the plays. Or, well, like when he was in the lineup, um, he was the guy calling the plays. Um, Manuel Diana also was another uh, big, you know, lineout target. Um, uh, Tom Van Horn was jumping a little bit too. And obviously Peter Malazzo, who uh, was up in the league leaders of lineout steals last year. Uh, once again, uh, Rooney, um, the other side of it goes, Rooney's lineout does look really good. They were able to steal a couple of the arrows uh, lineout balls as well. Um, and the other thing is, uh, just like last year, if there's one thing that Rooney probably does better than any team in Major League Rugby, it's that mall. Um, that little, like, close range, five to ten meters out from the try line, just toss it up and just mall over. Um, they, uh, like, the, that mall looks, still looks good. Um, they're probably, Dylan Fawcett will probably be close to the league leaders and tries again, just because... I mean, if they get near, if they get in the five, they're going to do it. It's going to be one of those things that's going to be like, it's going to be what they do. It's going to be up to, you know, uh, defense coaches and, um, you know, the players themselves to figure out how to stop that. Cause I'm pretty sure it's going to be one of those things where you're going to know it's coming, but it's up to you to actually do something about it. Um, and, uh, you know, for, uh, from an arrow's point of view with the uh, the backs and stuff, there's a lot of backs that were a little on the disappointed side with how their their skills translated. Uh, today there's a handful of like balls on uh, balls on the deck, just inaccurate passes, things like that. And um, yeah, that's you know that was something they even talking to a handful of the players after. It's like it's something that they know that they gotta, you know, they they gotta clear that up. Um, Rooney's defense did look did look solid. That's probably part of the reason too. Um, they had kept really good shape there was when we got to the mini games um that uh, so for for those that don't know they basically it wasn't a game it's a, it was a what they called a controlled scrimmage so the first kind of i guess part of the the day was just they broke up the forwards and the backs the forwards did scrums lineouts the backs kind of alternated offense and defense just kind of running plays at each other um and uh and so, like, when the two teams kind of came together, you could kind of... When the two teams kind of came together at the end, they played these, like, 12-minute 12, 12 mini-games. They kind of alternated who was on offense and defense for those two. But there really wasn't a whole lot of, like, tries during that session. Um, both defenses played well. Both offenses kind of started to sort of struggle as a result of that. Uh, line speed for both teams looked really good. Um, both teams were able to keep their shape really well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think the big positive too, um, if you're an arrows fan is the center center depth looks amazing. Um, Mitch Richardson, I don't know what that guy did or ate in the off season. Um, but he, uh, he is on, he's, he's ready to be like a major factor in major league rugby. Um, Ben Lesage, um, actually, excuse me. I did find out that his last name is actually pronounced Lesage. So I feel like. We need to start like a uh, LaRouge rugby like swear jar for every time we say Glendale instead of Colorado or Austin Elite instead of Austin Heard. And now it's going to be if you say Lesage uh, instead of Lesage, um, we're going to do we're going to do like a swear jar here. Um, but he, he looked amazing. I thought first uh, thought he, uh, you know, whether the, the Rooney Twitter account agrees with me or not, I feel like he did get the better of basketball <laughs> on a couple of occasions, too. Um so uh, it, it's uh, you know that's that's my opinion. Uh, Bastero did have some moments he laid out Will Kelly, but uh, Del Vega stole the ball off of him immediately after. But he he crushed Will Kelly. Um, 
But um, yeah, so it's like there was there was some moments uh, for sure. Both sides, you know, it's one of those things where you, you know both sides probably look at it um, and come out of it with they did something really well, and then there's something that they had to work on. Um, for Toronto, they got to be super happy with that scrum. Um, like I said, the um, you know the, uh, the the backs are were disappointed with the some of the skill execution and stuff. But I mean, that's you know it's not really something that I would be worried about, and I'm sure will be corrected by the time they play Austin. And um, the one big takeaway though that the arrows did have, and you know, if you are trying to you know make some bolder predictions for how this team looks in the grand scheme of the MLR season this year. Um, they they kind of like it. It was pretty clear that Rooney was a big step up in the quality of competition from Colorado and Utah. Um, so uh, take with that as you will, however you want to maybe use that information to help you handicap the West. Or you know, I th- I think you're probably looking at Arrows and Rooney being the top two teams in the Eastern Conference, and you know maybe the games between them deciding who actually wins the East. Um, and yeah, Utah got blown up by uh, San Diego on the weekend too. So maybe they did some some areas of concern for them over there. But yeah. the, the arrows seem to acknowledge that it was a pretty pretty big step up, and uh, you know, being able to play this this level, like especially um, the defense that uh, they looked at, um, the Rooney's defense was was solid. Um, uh, as were the arrows. Neither team really, neither team was able to really get a whole lot going um from an offensive standpoint so both defenses looked a step above what the uh their own offenses were bringing to the table so some of the things that we found out from this weekend and you got a little bit of news is there were three roster related uh bits that you got from mm-hmm. it um sam malcolm is currently injured mm-hmm. uh, not we've been told that it's not serious so that's good no. Uh, Tyler Rowland, the prop, has been sent back to the Pacific Pride for a certain amount of time. Did they really say to you, Derek, how long he'll be gone for? No, it's just like the uh, the idea is that he goes back to Pride and can get more playing time. Um, that's essentially the the idea. Um, it's uh, his his contract, I guess, is worded in a way that if say the arrows end up in a difficult injury situation. Um, to their front and row, they retain the ability to recall uh, Rowland to the arrows if he's needed. Um, but the general idea seems to be that uh, uh, Rowland goes back to the Pacific Pride, and that it'll probably. Uh, I know we're gonna. I know we're gonna dive deep into the roster and stuff soon, but it's uh, looking like the general idea is that um, Asiata is gonna play tight head, and it'll uh, w- with. Cole Keith, and then it'll probably be Brower and Lynott on the loose head side. Okay, and, and the last little bit of information is the Arrows have signed Scrum Half Dylan Young. Derek, who is Dylan Young? Because really, I haven't heard about, a lot about him, and I'm sure that there are a good amount of our listeners who haven't as well. Yeah, uh, Dylan Young, he's the uh, Queen's, Queen's Gales Scrum Half. Queen's Gales, uh, obviously, you know, being one of the more dominant uh, rugby programs in the uh, in our country, uh, especially at the university level. Um, so he, uh, you know, he's, he's a scrum half. Uh, he has been playing with the Toronto arrows throughout training camp. They just, I guess they still haven't really made it official yet. Um, so, 
Um, but, uh, you know, it, there was, uh, you know, it's, uh, he's, he's a solid player. He got a lot of time in this weekend with, uh, with Rooney. Um, he likes to play quickly. Um, so we're probably going to be seeing a lot of that. He racked up a boatload of points for Queens. If you, you know, just Google, uh, Google, like some of the Queens university scores, he, um, racked up a lot of points for them, um, with boot and tries. Um, but, uh, so uh, he did get some time in. There was times where he kind of looked. He didn't go to Vegas, um, so it was like this was like his first real crack at an MLR opposition. Um, so there was some, you know, there was some errors and stuff, miss, uh, you know, inaccurate passes, balls on the deck, things like that. Um, but like I said, that was kind of an issue that the backs as a whole felt that they had. Um, right. But you know, that's there. It's your first crack at an MLR proper MLR opposition, right? Um, and. Uh, the interesting thing, though, that did occur is that when I uh, I did ask Chris Silverthorne um, after the game or after the scrimmage, you know, what like kind of the tough decisions are going to be um, in the lineup. He highlighted the front row centers and scrum half and named um, four, said all four scrum halves. Um, or I guess he's looking at all, all four of them to be able to wear that nine jersey. So, uh, you know, he, Young is showing up and he's, you know, he's in the mix already. Um and, uh, you know, if not, I'm sure he'll get a lot of, I'm sure he'll get playing time with the Girls Academy when that gets fired up, too. Right. Very, very interesting. Um, okay, so we are now going to move on to the actual roster. So we have some questions that I'm going to throw at Derek, and uh, we're going to see if we oh, match boy. up. And then at the end of this, we are going to each name our starting 15 for the Austin game, their first game of the season. So, Derek, first question. Oh. Who is a dark horse that could have a big impact on the team this season? Oh man, um, you know, I I, uh, I remember when we did the podcast last week, um, and uh, we kind of I watched I did that podcast. We recorded it, and then I watched the Utah game afterwards. And then now that I've been down to uh, uh, now that I've been down to Buffalo, uh, which by the way that. The Bills practice facility is amazing. Um, but that's a kind of a tangent. Um, but either way, now that I've been down the Buffalo, now that I've seen it, um, when you asked me who's like a young Canadian to watch would be, I kind of, I guess, shied away from Richardson because he technically played in the league last year. Um, but definitely now that Tyler Rowland is, has been returned to pride, um, the dark horse and probably your young Canadian to watch is going to be Mitch Richardson. Um, because he impressed like, you that much, eh? Yes, yeah. He he looks do, do, honest. I think we'll talk about the starting fifteen. If Chris Silverthorne lines up any of the combination of Detroit, Lesage, um, Jones, and Richardson, I would be like, yep, that that makes sense. It's fully fully justified. Um, he he's looked that good. Um, he was kind of. You know, he he uh, Silverthorne was kind of gushing over him at the end when I kind of asked, uh, you know, some of the tough decisions. Uh, the, his quote about the way Richardson played is in my article on the on the um, on Layman Sports. Um, but if you, but yeah, so I think, he, man, like he he looks unreal, and he's been getting some time, you know, getting some time at fullback, kind of showing that the versatility. Um, I'm not sure how much of that is driven by the fact that Sam Malcolm is kind of hurt right now. Um, although, like you mentioned, it's not a big deal. He's probably he's going to play against Austin. 
Um, it's just, you know, one of those injuries where what's the point of potentially playing making it him. worse by playing in a preseason? Yeah. Not even a game, it's preseason scrimmage. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, yeah, so it's like, it's one of those things. So it's like, he'll, you know, Arrows fans don't need to be worried about that. Um, but they're, you know, that's what I kind of get from Stan Richardson is they're looking to him to be able to, you know, carry some, they're going to, he's probably going to carry some minutes this year. Uh, we'll see, we'll see what they actually go with as far as the starting centers. We can break this down a lot more, but yeah, he's got a, you know, his step looks a lot nicer. Um, his, you know, just the decision-making looks a lot, his fitness looks a lot higher. Um, you know, he's, and uh, you know he's been uh, doing doing a whole whole lot better than I've ever saw him play last year, and you know I think that's a great thing for the Toronto Arrows to be able to have a player like this that's you know just kind of maximizes the depth at that position. Um, but yeah, like it's, uh, like so, like you said, man, it's like he was stepping guys. He had a couple line breaks and stuff. Like it's um, he he looks great and. Um, yeah, I'm gonna gonna stick with that. Yeah, Richardson, dark horse um, player. You know, probably gonna have a massive breakout year. Um, you know, I think uh, I think you're right. However, I'm gonna go with someone who's not Canadian, uh, and I'm gonna go with the front row, and I'm gonna go with Richie Isaida. And I say this because from what you've told me, and from what we've seen from highlights, and from what people have written about him. I just don't think that a prop who's got his mobility and his step and with his ability to play loose head and tight head is going to, is going to stay on the bench. Because as soon mm-hmm. as either Keith or Brower, I mean, both of those guys have different reasons for them not to play well. I mean, what if Brower just doesn't have the same level of intensity anymore as he did last year? What if Keith doesn't progress anymore and, He's just going to be an impact sub coming off the bench. You know, when you've got a guy with his tool set, Richie just sounds like someone that can take either the one or three jersey and kind of run away with it. So, and I mean, if the arrows motivate him enough to stay around in Canada and then he can get capped by Canada in a certain amount of time, I'm also game with that. So, you know, this is, this is an interesting case of, I think that he's got everything he's got everything to gain and the other two starting props have everything to lose. So Uh I think, I think that he's got a real good chance of of turning things around. But again, like the, the the deck is kind of stacked against him for at least the first few weeks of MLR. Yeah. I I think a big thing to me, uh, Keith's scrummaging looks, looks a lot better. Um, I guess part of that is, you know, the, uh, the rugby Canada camp and stuff, you know, he's been putting some work too. So, he, oh, he also sure. looks like a much much improved player um, as well, which is great for the team in general. Um, but I think the one thing that definitely sticks out about Richie is that he doesn't really run like a prop, um, but he is a prop. So um, that's kind of uh, honestly, it's any lineup. Yeah, that's your lineup. I mean, you you're, you've got an extra ball carrier in the forward pack. Yeah. And that's just found money and, and honestly if uh if anybody listening to this is interested just go type in richie asiata on youtube and uh, he's got some highlight reels up there so you can go you can go check out the way he he likes playing rugby and uh it's you know it's a style that it, it is a little bit different than what you typically associate with a prop but 
he's still good at all the things that you would want out of your prop too. So I think that we both got two dark horses that we could ride off into the sunset with which new arrival will make the biggest difference. And now this was a question that uh, a few people asked us um, because the arrows did pick up really interesting pieces in the off season. So I'm going to ask you, Derek, which new arrival do you think will have the biggest mm-hmm. impact for the arrows this year? I want to I want to say two guys, but I don't want to like steal your thunder if case no, you, you can uh, only get you one. Take, you take you can't be only selfish. get one. Only get one. Ah, all right. Well, I think I think my my one er, biggest arrival. I'm gonna go with Thomas Della Vega. Um, he. Uh, like I, I kind of said earlier, he, uh, you know, is kind of a weapon in a lineout that the, the you know, the arrows didn't really have a whole lot of last year. Last year, like, when their their best jumper was uh, Peter Malazzo, who came away with a ton of lineout steals. But he's also, you know, he's only I think he's six six one six two, um, you know, a lot a lot smaller than um, a lot of the guys that typically he had to contest with um, in those lineouts. Um, so, you know, having a guy like Della Vega who comes in, he's a little bit more of the traditional uh, guy that you would want, uh, that you would have jumping. Um, it's going to be a big, he also, uh, you know, he's the guy that looks to be right now in charge of actually calling the lineouts, um, which is another big, you know, a big veteran president. Like uh, he apparently uh, used to do that for the Pumas when he was playing for them. So, I mean, if you can handle the responsibility of being the play caller for the Pumas, I think. I think you might be, you're probably locked in on a major league rugby level. Um, But uh, so like that, I mean, that's the benefit too. His actual, when you get out of the lineout, um, his actual impact on the game is immense too. Uh, Like, you know, he, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that can, when he hits you, his first thought is kind of get over the ball. Um, And, you know, he he came away with a couple of steals on Rooney um, at the uh, controlled scrimmage as well. Um, did not play against Utah due to an illness that didn't allow him to travel. But again, that's one of those. It's no big deal. It's just a preseason game. We're not going to risk anything more. Um, so, but uh, from what I saw about him in in uh, Rooney, he's everything that the Arrow Arrow fans would get excited about. Um, the pack, you know, he's a massive addition to the pack. Um, you're going to have your flank. Your uh, yeah, I don't really want to spoil too much of what we're going to talk about next. But yeah, your flankers could be uh, Della Vega and Rumble, and that's an amazing combination to have considering they're both of them have a really great ability over the ball at the breakdown. Um, and, uh, you know, so that, you know, it's a huge boost to the arrows defense, huge boost to the arrows line out. And, uh, you know, just a huge boost to like the locker room as well. Um, you know, he's fully embracing it. You know, he's, his family moved up here as well. Um, so like they're, you know, they're fully embracing being a Toronto arrow at the moment. And, uh, you know, so it's good to see. Yeah, I think that he's – the other thing you mentioned is the lineup. I mean, the lineup got eaten alive when they played the Seawolves in, in the playoffs. And whenever they played NOLA, it seemed to be a problem with Kyle Bailey jumping against them. So, you know, if they want to take that next step as being like upper echelon Eastern Conference team, Della Vega is going to make a big impact there. But one guy that I want to I, – I think will make a big impact that's a new guy. He's also a South American. It's Manuel Dana. And I think that, and it comes from what they didn't have. Ah, uh, that wasn't the other guy I was going to say. Oh, well, I'm going to ignore you anyways. Uh, <laughs> and I think when you look at like the eights that they that played last year, 
Daniel's got something that they just didn't have. Uh, you know, we had uh, Colby Francis, Luke Campbell, Jack Nay for like a game, and Marcello mm-hmm. Wainwright, and Lucas Rumble for, for a period of time as well. And other than, than Rumble, who just didn't look natural in the eight position, um, none of them were really extremely well, uh, good ball carriers uh, at like a high level. And that's what you get with uh, Manuel. He's such a, a dynamic ball carrier. I mean, the way he ran and ran line breaks against Fiji and uh, the way he was playing uh, in the ARC, especially against Canada. If everyone wants to go back and watch that game, he played very well against the Canadians. So go watch the inter- World Cup games. Yeah, watch any yeah. any of his, any of his games. He's such a dynamic uh, ball carrier, and I think uh, teams that are successful have that coming off in the back of their scrum. And I think that he's going to be a very very interesting arrow to watch, especially since he's new. We're going to see something that again we just really haven't seen before. Um, yeah, so I think that's my my new guy that will have a big impact. Now the last question before we go into our starting fifteen, Derek is. When it's all said and done, who do you think is going to be our MVP of the season? Oh, man. Uh, MVP is a tough one, I think. Like, just uh, for the arrows, I mean, there's there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of players that kind of stepped up and had massive years last year. Um, you know, Brower's first team all-star, Shepard's first team too. Um, you know, Sam Malcolm, Dan Moore, um, you know, got their second team nods. Um, but, uh, you know, the one, and I think, you know, kind of going forward, I would expect all four of those guys to have a great year again. Uh, we mentioned Della Vega, Diana. Um, there's a lot there. I think, I think even though like the arrows have a lot of ch- to choose from, um, but, you know, to be honest, I think the one guy that I would pick to be my MVP, and I think the only real reason that he wasn't the MVP last year is because he was basically hurt for half the season and spent most of the other half playing at the ARC um, is Lucas Rumble. Um, there is, I think Rumble, I still say it, it's like he was probably the best player for Canada, the Rugby World Cup. And yeah, I'm including Tyler Ardron in that statement too. Um, but I, you know, but um, it, like just his overall like game, um, he makes such a big impact on both sides of the ball. Um, and honestly, he's one of those guys that sometimes I kind of watch and I'm like, you know, I love the fact that he's an arrow, but sometimes I'm like, maybe we need to find a better league for this guy to play in. Um, but, um, for the time being, I'm going to love that he is a Toronto arrow. And I think, I genuinely think he's going to, now that he doesn't, now that one, he's actually here all year. He's healthy going into the year. Um, I think it's time for Lucas Rumble to do some major, major damage in this league. And you know what's funny is up until an hour ago, I agreed with you. I had the exact same <laughs> answer. I thought that I thought Lucas Rumble was my pick, but uh, I was going over your late your Layman Sports article about how you, you pre- previewed the starting 15, and there's just one guy that I think will make a bigger impact, and, and I think it's going to be Sam Malcolm. I think having him switch to fullback is going to be a game changer for the arrows. It's going to open up uh, defensively, you know, with his kicking ability and his counterattack ability. I think that he's just going to open up so many different plays that 
you know, that maybe maybe weren't an option last year. Like I loved watching Maris, but I think when I look at the two of them and I compare the kicking ability, I say that Malcolm has a, a much larger edge over him. And then you you add the the offensive uh, skills that Taylor Adams is going to add to fly half. I think the dynamic of the backs are going to really change, and I'm really excited to see what Malcolm can add. And we've seen him make desperate, you know, try saving tackles before. So I, I have full confidence yeah. in his ability, even with the you know his quote unquote smaller stature. Uh, so I think that he's going to end by the end of this uh, be the uh, MVP of the season. Granted, he stays healthy. You know, it, it's troublesome that he's starting off with a little injury now, which again, ah, it's, it's not a big deal. But little it's, injuries tend to turn right. into big ones. I, I mean, you know, it's uh, uh, you know, sometimes you know, you play rugby, you're not necessarily always a hundred percent, anyways. Um, but I think, I think the uh, part of the part of that though, it's like uh, I think you know, Sam Malcolm's a great pick for for the uh, you know, the Arrows MVP this year, or a prediction for the pick, anyways. And um, but I think part of it is like I think the signings of Taylor Adams and Will Kelly kind of allowing. Malcolm to come to fullback. Um, watching the arrows attack, it looks different than last year. It's a lot more dynamic. There's a lot more. There's a lot more options. Um, Those are one like. There's a lot more options. Um, you can have the fullback jump up a little bit. You can have the full. Um, you know they can time it like the timing is a little bit differently. They're running the lines that they're running look a lot different than last year. Um, so like it, it's there's they're making some changes and I think. You know, they're, they're attacking, their attacking game should be fun to watch this year, too. Um, and part of that's going to be because, you know, you have the options to move guys like Sam Malcolm around um, the back line, too. And this is, this is, that's the thing, right, is, is I, I'm excited about that dynamic fit sh- uh, shift in the offense. And this is just making me so excited Fast. for the next few weeks when, you know, when they're going to be playing Austin because Austin's really going to be in for it. Uh, so now we're, we're going to talk about our starting 15. You know, again, every time we do this for a game or for, for a season or, you know, we've done this for different things, there's always going to be asterisks because you never know who's going to get hurt. Or you no, never no, know. this is, it, this is even my, my article that I posted that I'm assuming you didn't, you didn't just like copy it and are going to use that for all your answers. Um, no, but no. yeah, no, no plagiarism here. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you've got some similarities. Uh, but, uh, we'll go into that. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it's obviously it's one of those things. It's like it's contingent on everybody being healthy and stuff. And um, but uh, but yeah, like I think um, I you know it'll we'll see what happens. There's a lot of as uh, we dig into this. I mean, I touched on center, but there is some. Like I, like I said, when I tweeted out that article, I rewrote it four times just because <laughs> there is some there is some tough calls to be made. Um, Chris Silverthorne and Mark Winokur are going to have a fun two weeks ahead of them um, as they try to determine what this lineup will actually be. Um, right. And um, yeah, so I mean, but, uh, you know, we can pretend to be them for about half an hour or so here. So let's let's go for it. So, you know, we're going to start right at the top and the right in front of the scrum with the starting front row. So, uh, Derek, you go first. You, you tell the folks who you picked for your starting front row. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to, you know what, there is a, a couple, you know, since the time that I actually wrote that article and now, I feel like there there's one or two positions that I'm kind of like, now that I've seen them play, I'm kind of like, I would change it. But my front row is going to stay generally the same. Uh, I'm still going Brower, Quatrain, Keith um, in the front row. Um, the If we're to extend this to the starting are we going to do the bench after, or can I just like mention this now? Um, uh, mention the bench now, but, uh, because but, it has to do with right. why you pick some of these guys. Right, yeah, okay. So I would go with Brower, Quatrain, Keith, and then my bench is going to be uh, Lynott, Ng, and Asiera. Um, I think, you know, you kind of go, if then they've sent Rowland back, I think that's the clear decision to go with, um, Brower and Lynott. I mean, if ultimately it's decided to flip them, but I mean, after the season that Brower had last year, I feel like, especially if we're just picking the game against Austin, I feel like you give a Brower game one for sure. Um, I don't think that necessarily means that Lynott isn't capable of, um, earning that number one jersey. Um, he was one of those players. He played uh, 40 minutes against Utah, and he looked really good during that entire 40 minutes. Um, so it's clear that the arrows, and, uh, you know, that was more than, um, I think that was more than every other prop. Um, so it's clear that the arrows, you know, really wanted a good look at him. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would stick with Brower, Quatrin over, Quatrin and Ng. I mean, those and McRogers, I think, like, those are obviously your three hookers. But I think that's also kind of a clear pecking order at the moment right. um, with Quatrin 1, Ng 2, and McRogers 3. Um, but, uh, and then, yeah, Keith, you know, like I said, I think uh, Keith, you know, he, you know, was initially in the three jersey, went to the ARC, Morgan Mitchell played outstanding, and he could never get it back. Um, yeah. So then um, I think, you know, this is his opportunity to prove that he can play in that three jersey and earn it all year and so i mean i personally will give him that opportunity but i mean like you said it's gonna be it'll probably be the same thing as last year though because uh, asiata is a quality player and you know you have to you really have to earn your playing time in the front row so my <laughs> my it's front three row is completely it's... different guys all right that's, it's yeah, me and like two other buddies. You're like my front row is Tom Van Horn, Lucas Rumble, and just completely off the board now. Well, you know right? what? One of the Van Horns played prop. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he season. played prop for uh, he played prop for Brantford when they won the McCormick Cup. So I mean, he can do it. So you know what? Yeah, he can do it. You know what? That's not totally. Crazy. I don't think Rumble can actually play prop though. I don't know. It's just the first no, name that popped in my no, head for no, the joke, no. but no, no, no. You never, um, hey, you never you know. know. He's talented. He's talented. You never know. Anyways, your front row, before I rudely interrupted you with that probably terrible joke. I'm going to stick pretty close to you. I will say that Brower will get the start. Again, I feel like he's just going to come in with like an anger that like only a dad can provide to a team because he wasn't selected for that World Cup team. I think Quatrin, it's a slam dunk decision. I, I'm really excited to see what Quatrin yeah. can do this year. He, he, he gained confidence as the year went on with his, like, ball-carrying ability. And you saw it a little bit more at the World Cup, especially uh, during the, the PNC. And I think that uh, I think that Cole Keith will start, but I think it's going to be, like, he's, he, it's a 50 timeshare. 
I think they really want to spend the first couple of weeks seeing what him and Isaiah have. And you know what? Having uh, Richie as an impact sub that comes on, whether you're up or you're down, is not a bad idea at all. Um, and and one of my things is I almost picked uh, uh, Isaiah for the starting uh, loose head position because in my mind, how awesome would it be to have Rob Brower come in as, as an impact sub when you're up or down with 20 minutes to go? Especially if you're up, that's a, that's a great position. So it'll really depend on, 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 and I think that's why they've got flexibility in their front row, depending on what team they're playing with. If it's going to be an up, uh, more up-tempo game, maybe they're going to want Brower to slow it down, or if they know there's going to be a team that you know is going to try to uh, slog the game, you put Isaiah in to be a spark plug and start him at the jersey. So I think that this this front row minus the hooker position, I really liked what Stephen Ning did near the end of uh, the second half of the season, especially when they started ha- pulling away some of those home games. He really started to make a large impact, and his lineup throws got a lot better. So I, I think that I'll stick close to what you said, but I think that uh, both those propositions have a tight leash. Yeah, no, I would I would agree with you. I think uh, you know that's one of the, that's one of those things. Though, it's the kind of the uh, the benefit of the arrows right now is they're pretty deep at a lot of positions. Um, front row is one of them. It's super competitive. Um, so. You know, either way, you're going to have two uh, two solid props coming off the bench. You're going to have two solid props in your starting lineup. Um, it's just, you know, it's pretty much, man. I mean, honestly, it's like the way it's kind of shaping up. It looks like it's just between them to decide amongst themselves who, you know, who yeah. gets to wear it. Which is, you know, which honestly is going to be kind of a theme um, as we move forward to the to the locks and uh, so on too. And I mean, the rest of the roster, not just locks, but. And you know what? Um, it's it, I think like even guys like Pat Lynott, like in some of the photos and videos we see of him, he's gotten significantly beefier, like bigger. Yeah, just, and I think that he's gonna have. He's, he, I think correct me if I'm wrong. He's done with Queens now, so he's gonna be there for the full yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's he's graduated, so he's uh, diving into. He's uh, last year he was just a part time player, and this year though he's uh, he's diving into it full time now. So that's great. And, uh, you know, injuries pop up. You get Tyler Rowland coming in. So definitely lots of depth. Um, But we're going to move on now to the engine room. And this was a strength of position for the Arrows last year. Uh, Mike Shepard and Paul Cellini were both very strong. uh, And they were the mainstays throughout 2019. I mean, you don't really need to see a lot other than uh, uh, Mike Shepard's time on the starting 15 for MLR. And Chalina spent some time there. And, you know, I, I think I'll go first, Derek, and I think you're probably going to agree with me. I'm not changing anything there. Both of those guys are dynamic. Both of them are very strong guys. And I think, you know, it, it's really like a, a, a difference in preference. I mean, jumper locks are great. But when you've got two strong locks like what the arrows have, two big bruisers that are able to carry the ball, and uh, make a big difference. I think that you stick with that. And I don't know. I mean, with their, with their bench players being the Van Horns, I haven't seen a lot of them. You know, obviously they, they spent a lot of time playing club rugby and playing for Ontario. But I'm not, you know, I'm not fully convinced that they're the best, that this is the deep, deepest position for the Arrows. So 
I, I'm interested to see how you feel. I think that they, they stay with Shepard and, and Cellini as the, the starting locks. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I kind of uh, I somewhat agree with most of what you said there. I think uh, Shepard and Cellini are the clear four or five. Um, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, Tom Van Horn, Josh Van Horn, they're both capable of playing in major league rugby. Um, they, uh, they look, looked, uh, you know, from what I've seen from them in preseason, they are another example of guys that have looked, um, much improved, taking advantage of playing that full club rugby season, um, uh, throughout the off season there. Um, so they also look improved. They look, the arrows look to be using, uh, Van, uh, Tom a, li- a little bit more like in the line out too. And, um, you know, so, you know, it seems to be, you know, expanding his game a little bit. Like I said, he even tried playing prop in the uh, in the uh, offseason with the, the Harlequins there. So, uh, you know, he's got a bit of a repertoire that the Arrows can dig into. Um, but I think, you know, I think regardless of how much they ha- uh, the Twins there have improved, I think Shepard and Cialini are still your, like, they're, they're your locks going into this year. Right. Um, it's... You know, if uh, if one of them gets hurt, I'm more than happy to have Tom and Josh Van Horn step up to fill that void. But I think right now you you're looking at Shepard Cellini. Honestly, it's one of the easiest positions on the arrows to call just because of Shepard and Cellini. Oh, yeah. That's and correct me if I'm wrong, but Colby Francis can also flex in to, to lock he can. as well, right? Yeah, he, he can. His preferred he position can. is eight man, but he can also flexing in there and you know he was he was a try scoring machine at the beginning of the season so to have him as an option as well i would probably uh pick him as as one of my spares yeah uh, so yeah exactly definitely an interesting... uh, when, when i did yeah when i did my lineup for layman sports i had him on the bench too so like just for that reason because he can play back row and he can play in the engine room if needed same reason why I played a lot of games off the bench last year, too. Right. Okay, so now we are going into what has been the biggest change, I think, in the pack, for sure. And uh, it will be a interesting discussion. And, you know, again, my, my answer has changed in the last few days. You know, after Derek's article about the Buffalo, quote unquote, Buffalo series came out, I had, I thought I was guaranteed with an answer. Um, but Derek, who did you end up deciding with for the starting back row? Uh, yeah, so for, for what I kind of went with initially was Della Vega, Rumball, Diana. Um, and, you know, through seeing what the arrows have done in training camp um, throughout, you know, playing Colorado, playing Utah, playing New York, um, I am still going to stick with that combination. Um, like I said, Rumball, like I said, that's my pick for the MVP. He's probably the best player on the team. Um, and, you know, you also have uh, Della Vega coming over for the, from the Pumas, which is a major major um you know boost to that lineup bringing his uh you know his experience um from playing you know tier tier one rugby uh tier one international rugby um with him um so that's you know i think that's going to be a big boost like i said he really he did impress me when we were uh in buffalo there um and you know manuel diana um for all the reasons that you said earlier um he's going to be in there um i think 
you know, to me, I think Paul Lazo can definitely find a home on the bench, especially with his, you know, his ability in the line out. That's something that's definitely an asset. Um, you know, he did, he was in you know, the league leading uh, line out steals, which is a stat that, you know, comes up quite often and is pretty impressive. Um, and, uh, but, you know, I think, I think the odd man out here a little bit, um, you know, the, the unlucky one I would say is might be Marcello Wainwright. Um, and you know, which, yeah, I think he proved last year that he is definitely more than capable of playing in this league. Um, you know, uh, maybe, you know, it's just, but it's just the addition of Della Mega and even Deanna, um, you know, to a degree with Deanna, even though he plays eight instead of flank, um, you know, just kind of pushed him down the depth chart a little bit, um, which is unfortunate. But, you know, he's, you know, uh, this is, although I feel like I'm not really struggling to make the decision to play Rumble and Della Vega, I still think uh, Flanker is one of the, the arrows deeper positions too. Yeah. Um, same, right. And, uh, you know, even though, because it's like, yeah, if one, if one of the top two guys goes down and gets suspended, um, to have Malazzo and Wainwright be the next guy up is, uh, you know, the you're looking pretty good. Um, like, there's not a whole lot to complain about at that position. It's just, you know, just when you have when you have some quality quality players, you know, you have to kind of just lean on that friendly competition. And you know, within training camp, and unfortunately, it means some good guys are going to get left off the squad ultimately. But or for the match day twenty three, anyways. You know, I don't know if a whole lot of people know the term lizard brain, but essentially it means that your brain is just not evolved to function like human beings. And I feel like I have a lizard brain a lot of times because I'm sitting here and I look at this roster and I go, why are we not giving Peter Malaz the starting spot? Why are we not doing it? The guy was a warrior for the arrows last year, led mm-hmm. the team in line out steals. Played basically every call. single minute. Exactly. He was the Iron Man for the team. How dare I take away his spot? But then, you know, you mentioned about Della Vega's impact with the Pumas and how he's been an impact for the Arrows and how he's been the line-out option and how he's bigger than Malazzo. And then, and then my lizard brain goes, but no, Malazzo's a good Canadian kid. we got to give him that spot. And I think i got to stick with what you're saying about Della Vega. I, I can't not see him take that starting uh, spot on the back row just because you know if, if he's making that much of a difference on the lineout you know it's going to be very interesting now my question to you is, is who were the other jumpers other than uh, Della Vega when when they were when when Malazzo was out of the out of the lineup yeah uh, they lose they used uh, Malazzo uh, for a bit obviously uh, like I just said they uh, used Van Horn for a couple um, they used Rumble for a couple, and uh, I think the the main two look to be uh, Della Vega and Deanna, though. So there you go. I mean, Della Vega and Deanna, they'll both be um, yeah. both is, be used along the line out. So it's this there's, is tough. It's, there's there's more. I think there's more line out options than last year, depending on what Aaron Carpenter ultimately decides to do with those options. But um, I think there's definitely like there's definitely more options for him as far as who gets, you know, who's the jumper in the line out. So Peter, I love you. I love what you do for the team. And I'm going to continue to love to watch you play, but I think I got to go with, with the, the new fret freshness 
the, you know, the, the, the new, new toy for the team. And I'm going to go with, with you with Della Vega, Rumble, and, and Deanna in the back row. Which, again, it just breaks my heart. But that's the way it works in sports. It's a cruel, cruel business. Uh, yeah. But now yeah. we're going to... We're going to move into the backs now because I think that there are some of the biggest discussions are going to come from no, the just, backs as well. If you think we had a hard time picking the forwards because we're like going back and forth on whether we want to cut Peter Malazzo or where, you know, depending on who starts at tight head and loose head, the backs are the, this is the reason why I rewrote my article four times <laughs> um, because you have to, because every time I would pick a guy, I'd be like, oh no, but there's this guy over here. And then, um, and then, you know, just kind of go and redo that. Then you could also be like, wait, this guy could also play this position. And then this guy can play this position. You can move this around and create absolute chaos and craziness with your lineup if you wanted to. So, yeah, this, this, this is, this, there's no way we agree on this. There's no way no, we're going to agree on it. Something... We're probably, we're probably going to have a completely I'm... different back row. There's no way we could possibly agree I'm on going this. To do, I'm going to do some. I, I've done something very crazy with my lineup, so, oh, so I'm interested to see what people say. So when I make, I, mean, I have one really out of air decision, and I want people to tell me either I'm crazy or I'm a genius because I think it's great, and I think that the arrows should hire me because I'm amazing. Wow! But yeah, we're gonna start with the We're gonna find out that your idea is like Pat Parfrey is actually gonna come show up early, and he'll start for Austin. That's. Gonna, no, they'll find out that that was DTH, actually no. you convinced them to come early or whatever. Huh. Uh, we're gonna start with the scrum half, Derek, and you know, in, in your article, there's been no changes, but we know that that we we've got the new the new blood, Dylan Young adding to the lineup. Leonardo, Andrew uh, Ferguson, and Jane McKenzie are all returning this year. Um, they all kind of split time with the team in different ways. Uh, Andrew Ferguson getting the most starts and then Donardo coming off the bench and then Jamie McKenzie uh, starting a few games and Ferguson. And then, you know, so it's been kind of an alternating uh, position for the arrows uh, last season. And with no ARC, it might start to be a little bit more consistent or, you know, with the addition of the new guy, Dylan Young, it might not. Um, I think I'm going to go first with this one because neener, neener. Uh, I think that Andrew Ferguson's going to be the starting scrum half. I think that he's deserved it. I think that he, in terms of a um, investment on the team, I think that they should be giving him the starts because he's earned those starts. And I think that he has the most potential to continue to grow as a player. You know, I think that Jamie McKenzie, we can agree, is in terms of development, hit his plateau. I don't, I don't expect Jamie to evolve as much of a player. He's a fantastic rugby player, and that's where he's kind of going to stay. And Riley Donardo, I, I enjoyed watching him, but I, I think it's just one of those small sample sizes that I would like to see him in a starting role just to see what he can offer other than what he has offered. Uh, he's been steady. There hasn't been anything that really has popped out to me that Ferguson has done so and again I don't know anything about Dylan Young uh, unfortunately my OUA experience uh, he was not part of that circuit just yet so jury's out on him until I see him a little bit more but that's going to be my decision I think I'm going to go with Andrew Ferguson starting and I think at least for the start of the year Riley DiNardo as the backup 
because I want to see what he can offer. I want to see what he can bring to the table. And I think I already know what Jamie has. And honestly, I wouldn't be too upset if he was just like an emergency backup and also a scrum half coach kind of position. I would love to see him kind of take that role. And I want to see more of Riley. So that's what I that's what I'm going with. Yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, I, I completely agree with Andrew Ferguson um, being the starting scrum half. Um, you know, I, the people that have listened to this podcast for a while, I've understood that I was arguing for Ferguson to start for Canada at the World Cup, um, despite Kingsley Jones's disagreement with that. Um, but I think, yeah, there's nothing nothing that's changed for me from who should be wearing the nine jersey still being Ferguson. Um, and then, yeah, I think, you know, I think to your point, um, it might be between McKenzie and Donardo to figure out who gets uh, 21. Um, but uh, I think, you know, one of the, the, the interesting, I guess, things with the uh, arrow scrimmage was that uh, when they broke up in the backs and forwards, Jamie McKenzie was the arrows representative to feed the scrum and Donardo ran a lot more drills with the backs. I don't know if there's anything to read into it, but um there, there could be something to read into it, but that's just kind of, you know, what it ended up being. Um, and uh, so, who knows uh, if that actually means anything, or if that's any insight into what the coaches could be thinking. But I think there's a possibility to see Donardo. I mean, Donardo kind of, you know, he played a lot at the start of the year. Then when all the guys returned from the ARC, he his yeah. playing time kind of tapered off. Um, but so we'll see. We'll see what happens this year. Um, you know, like I said, if he if he gets a shot to uh, you know come off the bench to start the season, or uh, if that'll be McKenzie and he has to, you know, but he I think he might be given the, I think ultimately he might be given the opportunity to definitely work his way into the lineup and stuff too. Um, and then there's also Dylan Young who uh, just kind of showed up to the team and, uh, you know, I I think you know like I said based on what Chris Silverthorne said he highlighted that scrum half for him is a he thinks is a you know a position that. You know, the arrows have a lot of depth and that there could be some tough calls to be made. And he'd uh, make sure to highlight that there's four scrum halves. So, um, like I said, definitely in the mix there, too. But um, Ferguson gets the nine jersey. Now, moving on to the chaos of this team. And you know what, yeah. guys? That that decision I just made, that wasn't my crazy one. So you just wait. So, oh, oh, no. So, so. The centers. Or are we going to go fly oh. half first? Which one do you want to go with? Sorry? You want to go with fly half or centers next? Uh, well, I mean, rugby Tangers. has All a right. numerical order for a reason. There's, there's numerical positions exist for a reason, man. Fine. You, go, you don't go, you don't go one, you don't go nine, 12. Well, you can't like you normal people about... would do nine, 10, 12, 13, 11, 14, 15. Listen, like you normal talked people. about the chaos. So I thought, I assumed, see, this is what happens when you assume you make an ass out of you and me. That's well, fly half's chaotic chaos. too. Fly half's chaotic too, man. There is uh, there is yeah. options at fly half here. There is, there is. So everyone knows that. Well, you have three fly Sam halves Malcolm that can play was... fullback too. That's also true. Sam Malcolm was the fly half last year, and we all know how his season ended. Up. You know, he was third in the league in scoring, and he was on the second uh, MLR All Team honors. You know, just an unreal season. Uh, heart of the lion, as his teammates described him. However, it sounds like that's not where he's going to be playing for most of this season. Derek, your your uh, prediction for the the starting ten jersey. My 
prediction for the starting 10 jersey is Taylor Adams. Um, it is, uh, you know, I don't want to so much be spoiling one of my picks for later on. But, yeah, Sam Malcolm is definitely, I think he's going to move to fullback. Um, Adams, uh, really, I think, you know, there, there's guys here, man. I think, you know, Adam, it's kind of fullback, or it's fly half right now. It's going to come down to Adams, Kelly, and Sean Windsor as your three main options there. Um, and then, you know, I guess, you know, midway through the season, uh, whenever he shows up, we'll see how Pat Parfrey is going to factor into the lineup too. Yeah. But, you know, that's a that's a podcast episode for another time. Yeah, we'll just um, put that back in the in the memory file, and we'll just yeah. shove that into a dark corner because I'm um, not too worried about him. I, yeah, exactly. So right now, I think you're kind of going with Adams, Kelly, Sean Windsor as your three fly half options. Although Windsor again is another player that I personally feel looks a lot more comfortable at fullback. Um, so I think that's where he fits in best. So my decision making process kind of comes down to Taylor Adams and Will Kelly. Um, I think the the thing, um, Will Kelly, I think, you know, he's a solid player. And again, I feel like this is one of those positions that, you know, I wouldn't really be too upset if it went either way. Like I'm not, I'm going to be kind of, I might do like a little, like I maybe would kind of disagree with it, but I don't think it's a bad call inherently or anything. I just think for right now, from what I've seen from Taylor Adams is he brings a lot, um, you know, even something that Sam Malcolm didn't necessarily have, which is why I think we're going to do this because it's a great compliment to have both of them on the pitch at the same time. Um, I think Taylor Adams, from what I've seen him play, is one of those guys that just thinks offense all the time. Like, it, no matter where the ball right. is on the pitch, he looks like one of those guys that's like, how can I score a try in 15 seconds? Um, <laughs> and I'm going to figure out how to make and that's how like his brain kind of seems to be ticking and how to work like it's man he uh the match against utah um arrows arrows did end up putting up highlights so in my article i did call it the greatest try that nobody will ever actually see but now that people have seen it um it's i get that line doesn't have as much of an impact i guess um but if you i tell yeah it's he just kind of out of nowhere was just like with the entire Utah D line charging form was just like almost just kind of like looked at Spencer Jones and was just like, here, man, go get this. And just kind of the nice little over the top chick, uh, chip kick. There was no one around when like Jones kind of gathered it. He kind of had to step around a fullback, but there was really no one really in any position to defend him after that kick went in the air. Um, it was really right. just the, 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 Utah's defense of that try was hoping Spencer Jones didn't catch the ball. Um, and that was pretty much what that came down to. But it's really cool, like, if you actually, to actually watch the play and you can kind of, it was one of those guys that you can kind of, like, see, like, the gears turning in his head, like, when he noticed what he could actually do. So it kind of, like, you know, starts calling for the ball and kind of, you know, puts this play on. Um, it's really great to see. He does, um, he dropped a lot, too, of just massive cutout passes. Um, and things like that. Like he really does just think like let's let's go score. Um, no matter where we actually are on the field, it's like let's try to make a try happen, which is very fun to watch. Um, so um, I'm kind of for that reason, I kind of think that, and that's not like a knock against Will Kelly at all. Will Kelly is a very solid rugby player, um, very very uh, definitely very steady. More say his Kelly's style of play more resembles what Sam Malcolm brought to the table, um, but um, I think, like I said, it's like I don't know. 
But because of that, though, it's like, I don't know if I would, like, I think you might maybe go with that, you know, offensively minded player, knowing that you have solid defensive, um, defensive options all across the pitch. And that's not a knock against Taylor Adams defensive ability either. It's just, you know, some, some guys play like that defensive style, gritty game. Some guys like, you know, a little bit of a flashier dynamic offensive game. It's just preferences. And I think for that reason, you know, Taylor Adams brings a lot to this team and, you know, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to see what he, uh, what he, what he actually does on a pitch when we really, really get going here. Because uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun to watch. I think one of the things that we're learning about MLR is it's getting more physical and bigger. Mm-hmm. I think that that's definitely been a change with some of the newer guys coming in and just overall fitness getting better and better. So it's going to be interesting to see someone the size of Taylor Adams. Uh, adapt to that and maybe will kelly might you know be able to sneak in a position sneak in a spot when decision making is a little bit harder when giant bodies are coming at you uh, i mean taylor adams is used to it he's got super league caps and also miter 10 so he's used to that kind of stuff so i agree with you i think that adams is going to have the starting 10 jersey yeah but uh, that's that's also like that's one of the things that makes the arrow so good though is even though like they definitely as far as MLR teams go, they're definitely on the smaller side. Um, but yeah. they're so good. They're so good from like a technical standpoint that it basically completely nullifies that they're a little bit smaller. Um, especially like, you know what I mean? Like if you look at, look at, go back to the front row, um, uh, Asiata, Keith, like they're not the biggest dudes um, that have played front row in any rugby league. Um, but, you know, they're, but they're, they're definitely capable of playing in this league. They're very tech, you know, and they're technically sound, and that gives them the ability to play, you know, at this level. And, you know, that kind of, you know, I don't, it's one of those things where it's, you know, if you can make up for it, it's, you know, technique is, you know, sometimes more important than, than size, right? So there is, there are a lot bigger teams in Major League Rugby, but, um, you know, the Arrows, like the Arrows game plan and like, you know, how good these guys are just like technical elements how technically sound this team is um you know kind of makes up for it so um there's there is there is small guys even sam malcolm last year you know as part of the reason why he was you know got crowned uh, with as having the heart of a lion um part of that's you know he's he he maybe is a little bit smaller but he plays like he's you know six eight two ninety so um that's you know what the, what you're kind of going to get out of this team okay all right, now we are moving on to the centers. Now that I figure out how math and numbers work. Yeah, yeah. We're 10, move on to the... 10, 12, 13, 11, 14, 15. That's how there you go. everybody counts. That's, that's how that's everyone how counts. You count in, yeah, in the yeah, that's how world. everyone counts. It's simple. I don't understand why sense. how you don't get this. I don't know, man. We're going to move on to the centers. And this is, this is definitely... I think that their deepest position, and, and we talked about this earlier in, in the, the podcast about how, you know, Richardson has really made a name for himself this preseason, yeah. how Lesage looked good talking, Bassero, how Jones continues to be uh, so talented, and uh, uh, Giuseppe Dutrois has just been kind of a stable uh, uh, part of that of that of those teams. So I'm going to stick with what you wrote, Derek. Um, but what did you say for your starting 15 centers? Oh, like I said, man, when I when I first wrote it, I said Detroit and Massage. 
Um, and um, I still don't really feel like that's a bad call. Um, Lasage, Lasage, honestly, he's impressed me um, when, uh, you know, when uh, from, you know, what I've seen of him in, uh, in camp here. Um, and, you know, I think he's, he's definitely going to have a, I think he's going to have a great year. Richardson, um, yeah, he looks outstanding. Um, and, you know, it's like, just Giuseppe Dutrois, too, it's like just the same, the solid, you know, that solid 12 that you really want. He also brings that extra added element that he's a solid goal kicker, too, if the Arrows ever need to use him as an option. Um, they did a little bit in the match against Utah. Against uh, Rooney and Buffalo, they played the side of the field. They played like 30 to the touchdown line as like the touch lines and then the sidelines were, so they didn't really kick at all during that. Um, so just kind of going off the Utah game for who's kicking. So Detroit got some time there. Um, but yeah, you know, Detroit is solid. He does, he has called, he's been calling some plays for the arrows and stuff. So I think, you know, he's, I think it's one of those, like you probably just want that little bit of, let's say veteran ish presence, um, I know Detroit's still a young guy, so call, call, having him be referred to as a veteran is maybe not the best wording. But, you know, a guy that was there last year kind of understands what um, the Arrows want to do as far as attack and defense goes. Um, and, you know, just an all-around solid rugby player. So I feel like I still want to definitely want to keep him in. Um, Lesage Jones-Richardson. Lesage. Lesage. Ah, yeah, to the jar, to the jar, yes. To the to the jar, yeah. Lesage. Did I call did I call the Raptors Glendale too when I was mentioning that? No, probably not. No, ah, I think you're right. good. I think you just said Raptors. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna stick with too. No, I'm gonna call him Ben for the rest of this entire thing now. Ben. All right. Ben yeah, L. Ben. Yeah. And uh yeah, so either way, like Ben's really been impressing me a lot. So um I definitely I I do not feel like I need to take Ben out of the lineup. Um but Honestly, and I truly do kind of mean it, if Chris Silverthorne and Mark Winokur can pick any combination of these four guys, and not to mention that Dan Moore can also play center, um, so there's a there's something we can also toss into this mix if we want to. And then Parfrey is going to show up halfway through the year and also get like, tossed hey, into that. So out of all the guys that can really play center for this team, you're looking at Detroit, uh, Lesage, Jones, Richardson, Parfrey, Moore. Um, that are all going to kind of show up. So that's not really, you know, that's not bad um, for your overall options. And yeah, um, Nick, honestly, uh, I'm going to stick with Detroit and Ben um, just because I wrote it to start the year. Um, but but honestly, if I'm, I'm comfortable in saying now that any combination of those guys, I would be more than happy with to see against Austin. Right. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Richardson's going to get a lot. I think Richardson's going to get a lot of playing time. I don't. It's just a matter of when he gets that. But I right. think I think we're all going to be super impressed when he when he does get in. The only unfortunate thing for Mitch Richardson right now is that he plays in the deepest position on this team. And um, uh, Ben actually said after the game that the part of the reason that drew him to the arrows was the center depth. Um, because it's great for, you know, during practice today, you're not just, um, I believe I can maybe, you know, I'll, maybe I'll post, post the quote or something on uh, Twitter after, but you know, he, uh, or just editor, but, um, 
uh, he said something to the effect of, you know, we, he was drawn to this team because of the center depth, the ability to not just, you know, compete on Saturdays, but to compete like every single day that you're here to become like a better rugby player. And yeah, center, center is, is, it's, yeah, pick, pick two guys, man, honestly, put, uh, we put, put, uh, put four names in a hat and just draw the first two and those guys can start and I'm happy with it right now it's honestly it's it's deep uh, i'm gonna stick with yours uh your two picks because i've got something in my sleeve for the back row uh so we're gonna talk about the back oh, line now boy. all right and you know what i'm, I'm gonna now, go i want to you know you're going first on this one just because i want to yeah, hear I'm it going first so the the the, the wings in the fullback position for the arrows there's a little bit of there was a little bit of a consistency for a certain period of time, and then it kind of changed a little bit after the ARC. Uh, Avery Oydman, the teenager phenom, uh, opted to go back to uh, university in Cardiff, so we will not see him this year, and they opt not to sign Kainoa Lloyd, which is disappointing for me because I think that probably could have used the wing... They could have used Kainoa Loy because I think he's a dynamic player, but we've we have had this discussion about what he he is. Um, so this leaves them with Dan Moore, Leandro Levas, Gaston Merez, and Johnny Sheridan. However, I am going to suggest a radical change in one player's position because I think that he lends a lot of characteristics that could be very very useful in winger. Right. I think that Dan Moore should keep his position at 14 because he is just a fantastic player to watch on the wing. And I love it. I love him. He's amazing. And I think that, uh, again, barring injury, Sam Malcolm will be starting the 15 position. However, with the starting 11 jersey, I think that Spencer Jones should be the starting 11. And I have that for a couple of reasons. I think that he has the line speed to be an effective winger in MLR, at least. Now, I'm not saying that this would be a position that he could play for Canada or anywhere else, but I think that when you've got big guys on the wings, especially in this league, I think that with his defense and with his creativity with the ball, you know, he's he's known for his line breaks, but he also is known for his creative kicks and his his offloads, and I think that those his his toolbox of uh, of, uh, r- rugby talent, I think that would be very, very useful with this team, especially if they're looking to have a more creative and open defense or offensive mindset. I think that having him maybe over Leandro Levas or Gaston Merez might be beneficial. I think that might be a creative way to kind of uh, give Spencer Jones more playing time. Now, I'm interested to see what you think. I think that I already know what, what you have for your lineup. So, Derek, am I crazy or am I a genius? All right. Yeah. So um, for everybody that didn't turn off the podcast after hearing that, um, yeah, no, my pick was my pick was not Spencer Jones. Uh, no disrespect to Mr. Spencer Jones. Um, but, uh, well, yeah, I think part of that is, at the very least, I have not seen him play wing all uh, 
all preseason. So I'm kind of going with, you know, there's some knowledge up here that I'm like, I I really don't think that's what the arrows are thinking here. Um, I am a lizard brain, and I just go for what I think I would enjoy. I don't think it's very realistic at all because, I mean, you've got two World Cup players in front of you if you want to make that happen. And not also, we can't take away from Johnny Sheridan and what he's done for the arrows. So I definitely think it's very much outside the realm of possibility, but it's something that I think should happen. Yeah, I I mean, I completely agree. I agree. Sam Malcolm is the fullback. Um, I don't, you know, it's realistically, it's between probably between him and Mirez. Um, but at that, and then Sean Windsor just, you know, like I said, I called him the most underappreciated player in Major League Rugby last year, and he actually looked solid against uh, Rooney in the scrimmage. Had a started a really nice counter attack that led to uh, Ben Lesage and uh, Dan Moore hooking up for, or sorry, Dan Moore I guess is the one that passed it. So Dan Moore and Ben Lesage hooking up for a, a nice try to end the session. Um, but it, yeah, like I think. Malcolm is going to be the guy that's there. I think his experience back in the Mitre 10 Cup with the Turbos definitely adds to that. Because of that, though, I think I'm going to shift Mirez to the wing um, because you know they, he's played that position. Uh, he's played that position a lot. You can almost you can almost argue that it's more suited to his game than um, than uh, playing fullback and stuff as well. So use some of that speed. Dan Moore at 11. I feel like. There, there really isn't, in my opinion, there's not really a whole lot of guys that you can really consider locks on on this team. Um, but I feel like when you name a guy the captain, um, he's he's starting. Um, oh so yeah. No matter what, he's like that dude. Like he's you're expecting him to start. And I feel like there's definitely options, and I don't feel like that means like Dan Moore isn't going to be like pushed or anything like. There's definitely there's a, you know there's a, definitely a lot of like friendly competition um, within this squad and wing is wing is no exception but you know um, Dan Moore obviously you know he led the led the arrows and tries last year um, tied with Oideman um, but uh, you know he led the team the team in tries last year he can play both uh, center and wing like I said centers is insanely deep wing is also deep but maybe a little bit less so. Um, I personally think Moore's game or Moore is more suited on the wing. I personally prefer him there. Um, and yeah, and then that and that he's the captain, that kind of, you know, I think definitely, you know, definitely to me, the, being the captain just kind of solidifies that he's going to uh, be, you know, the starting 11 or 14, depending on what they go with. I put him at 11, though. Um, but uh, um, yeah, and then it's between Lydas and Mirez um, for me. Um, Spencer Jones, I, I mean personally, I don't see it. Um, pers- personally, I don't see it happening. Um, but that being said, I believe that Jones would be an asset on the bench when it, it comes to that. Um, and then who knows, man? If a, a winger gets hurt, maybe maybe you know that's where he gets his shot, and you look like a genius soon. I'm um, just saying, if Dan Moore can do it, I don't see any reason why Spencer Jones can't do it. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying I don't think that that's what the uh, the thought process is here. Um, but uh, you know, you could you know you could probably you could probably try guys anywhere. Um, there was that. I guess they they did a little bit of the you know experimentation. Like I said, like 
I mean, I'm sure if you did the the arrows depth chart and stuff too, like Taylor Adams played fullback for a little bit against Utah. Um, Mitch Richardson also played fullback, so there's definitely some experimentation with uh, certain oh, positions sure. happening. Um, so, uh, you know, so it's like I'm not saying it's out of the question that you can't do that. I'm just saying I don't personally think that it would happen. Um, but yeah, so ultimately, Dan Moore, Captain Dan Moore, definitely starting. Um, then I'm going with Gaston Mirez and Sam Malcolm. Sam Malcolm, I don't know if we've you could probably go back through the audio of all of these podcasts and just hear us gushing about how much we love Sam Malcolm. Um, oh, for but, sure. You know, like you said, man, his his defensive ability is awesome. It's exactly what you want in a fullback. Um, his tackle rate is tackle completion rate is insane. Um, and you know, like I said, he's and he really he does not shy away from hitting bigger guys or anything like that as well. He will, you know. So and you know, he's his technique is outstanding. So. Um, you know, he's exactly what you want out of a fullback. Great in defense, great kicking ability. Um, and also, you know, when he also has good timing, knowing when to jump into the play um, on the offensive side of the ball to insert yourself and where to insert yourself in the back line in the attack. Right. Um, so, you know, for all those reasons, Sam Malcolm's the fullback. And uh, so that kind of, I guess, in my mind, would round out our team here. Um and, and yeah. you know what? In all honesty, I, I would probably go with what she put as well. I think that, and it, it goes back. Is that, to is that, you're, are you just backing down? Because I said your no, idea was crazy. I'm not backing down. The only reason it's, why uh, you I, don't have I, to back down because there's probably nobody listening to this podcast anymore. They probably just turned it off at like that with that <laughs> idea. Well, you know what? For the two, they're people just like, oh, we'll just we'll just move on, or they're th- they're like skipping through it until like after this section's done. Just hitting that like yeah. extra ten the second fast forward. forward button whenever the ten Dan's second talking. forward button. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did really it's... enjoy watching Gaston Merez play. Um, I agree with you that his natural position is the wing. I think that uh, his tendency to, to run first, rather kick over kick the ball, definitely just lends him to be a, the natural winger. And I I think that that I'm also kind of thinking long term for the arrows. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking long-term for Canada as well. Because if we can kind of develop a little bit of flexibility with a talented player like Spencer Jones, that could be a boon. You know what? We're not going to go into my crazy plans anymore. Um, let's finish off with our – who are your, uh, your, your two bench players uh, for, that, are, that were uh, backs other than the scrum half? Because you said McKenzie that you have Jamie McKenzie. Yeah. Yeah. So um, for that, uh, I, you know, it's uh... – like I said, it's going here's it's yeah, it's a tough one. I feel bad because I've been kind of hyping up Mitch Richardson this entire time. <laughs> um, and I think it's just kind of how deep the, the, like, it just shows you how deep the center is. It's not like I mean, I'm not I, I don't want to put two centers on the bench. Although if Mitch Richardson can play fullback, that definitely opens up his uh his his bench options here for me. Oh, for so, sure. Uh you know what? I'm actually kind of looking at this now. Um oh. Okay, yeah, I'll go. You know what? Now, 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 now that I'm like got myself like kind of thinking about this because I was like, so, so initially I have I have Livis to cover, Livis covering the uh, outside backs and then Jones covering the centers, and then like, but uh, you know maybe maybe that gets opened up. Maybe Mitch Richardson can do both, and then you toss in like Will Kelly or something. That could be an option with the uh, fly half there. Um, this 
this bench is actually kind of nuts when you really sit down and think about it. Um, but for the like, just for me not to be like thinking out loud constantly and just kind of like altering this bench ten times, uh, for the time being, maybe I'll just stick with what I initially wrote with um, all-star winger Spencer Jones and uh, Leandro Livas um, on my bench. Actually, see, now that doesn't even make sense. Now you planted that in my head. I don't well, Who puts two wingers on the bench? Um, <laughs> that's like, now that's... But now he's got flexibility. Just, because yeah, now you've wing. just messed up. He's now you've messed up center, everything. So he can also play wing. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I come from... And, and, and people, I've mentioned this before, I come from a forward background. I'm just a measly front rower yeah. i don't see what the you have no is. idea centers uh, listen as long as they're not short like a scrum half they can play wherever they want yeah. i think it's crazy let's just open it up anyone can play anywhere maximum chaos. no positions no but, positions no, and positions but you know every <laughs> now and then if they get bored of it switch it up a little bit makes people more flexible but uh i have uh levos because he can cover those those outside wing positions, and when Spencer Jones needs a break, you gotta put someone on the field. And Gastel Merez can play the wing and also fullback. So having both those guys coming off the bench will just be unreal. And yeah, if, uh, if, I think that's just kind of the the, the, yeah, the best the, decision. Uh, yeah, I think that's one of those those few things. It's like you know if you kind of look at uh. The, the you know the arrows depth here. There's not a whole lot of teams in Major League Rugby that are going to have fully capped guys coming off the bench, and I think kind of no matter like I don't I guess it wouldn't be necessarily no matter what we do. Um, you're probably gonna like it's it actually it is it's kind of no matter what we do. They have 17 capped guys, so we could do a full lineup. And actually, I did write this this down at one point. You can do a full arrows a uh, lineup of fully capped players for the Toronto Arrows at positions that they actually are supposed to be playing. Um, oh, and what's that supposed ab- to mean? Hmm? No, I'm just, mean, I'm just meaning like you're not going to – yeah, no, that wasn't a shot at what you were saying. I just mean it's not like – you know, it's not like you're going to be like, oh, yeah, well, like you can do fully capped guys, but Thomas Della Vega has to play fly half or something, right? right? It's like it's all all guys that like should be playing like in that spot or where they can be playing. Um, and even actually, to be honest, even without doing something like saying this center is going to play wing too, it's actually, it's pretty, they can do it and still be like locked into like where you would want these guys in the lineup. Um, and ultimately, yeah, that's still, you know, like I said, there's 17 cap guys. So that leaves two guys that have to be coming off the bench if you were to do that. Um, and you know, even at that, like, like we, you, I mean, we were even talking about guys like, you know, Asieta starting, um, at prop two. And, you know, there's genuine legitimate arguments to be made for that to happen. And, you know, if if that happens, you're kind of and, you know, Taylor Adams at scrum half, Sam Malcolm at fly half. So it's like you can do that fully capped team. And then when you you can do that fully capped team and then when you have that fully capped team, you can still look at that team and then kind of be like there might be better uncapped options on it. So just to kind of like illustrate how deep this arrow squad actually is. Um, so, and, you know, and that's, you know, it's, I think, I feel like we've kind of illustrated that as far as picking this lineup goes, um, like we can kind of like, we'll kind of do this for fun and entertainment to create a podcast or just, you know, content for media, Chris Silverthorne, Mark Winokur, and the rest of that staff have to do this for real. And, um, so that's, you know that there's going to be some interesting, interesting conversations happening. God, over God the next bless few weeks. those men. 
because you know it's going to uh-huh. be a hard job but it's also going to be like one of those easy jobs there's like no matter what decision i make it's going to be fine it's like when you go to a poutine store and there's a hundred different kinds of poutine and it's like well either one of these is going to be amazing but i, I got to make one decision and that's extremely difficult <laughs> That's the most Canadian analogy you could have possibly dropped on this podcast. If if anyone lives, if anyone comes to Peterborough, Ontario, there is a restaurant that has over a different hundred different types of poutine. So just so you know. You know what? Yeah, no, I was was there over the summer and I walked and I just stumbled across it and I'm like, this is amazing. I think I had like Big Big Mac poutine or something and I was like, this is... This, this this is basically where what heaven must feel like. Oh yeah, um, it was it was so good in university. But then they talked about the freshman fifteen. I got like the freshman like five hundred because of that place. But uh, nah, we're gonna finish. Just, you know, you just it's worth it though, man. I, the poutine from there. It's, what's it called again? I forget what it's actually called. It's called the whistle stop. Ah, uh, that's what you should see if uh, you know hit them up, man. See if they can get them to sponsor the podcast and. Uh, you know, we can get some get some money from this. You know, we'll do it or do it from like poutine. Do it for poutine. Like that's always an option too. Oh, no, that's a dangerous. That you is never, a dangerous decision. Yeah, um, I don't know, man. Finish... Know. Get your people to get into contact with them. Okay, so my people is my wife. Or so get her if, to do or if anybody that works at that establishment is a huge rugby fan and you're listening to this podcast, feel feel free to feel free to reach out. <laughs> We're gonna finish this off. Why do you seem so skeptical that people are listening to this podcast? No, it's not that. It's the fact that the people who own the whistle stop are are listening to this. Why? Why wouldn't I, they be? Why would like who doesn't love rugby? Why wouldn't they be? Because I'm pretty sure it's like it's, she's why? like a like a mom who has like a bunch of kids and owns it. And like moms don't mom watch rugby. Like what do you mean moms don't watch rugby? Why would it? Why would it? Lots of moms watch rugby. What is that's brutal logic? It's horrendous logic. We are going to finish this, off this... this episode one way or another, either it be me hanging up on Derek or if we answer this last damn question. Derek, what is your, your outlook for this season? Because, you know, we just talked about how, how big the depth is and how strong their, their scrum is, but it's going to be really interesting with these new teams joining the league. You know, what, what do you think that is, is going to be the most likely outcome for these arrows? Well, apparently that they will not get poutine or that, you know, because we're going to insult the owner of this establishment and assume that... that I did not um, insult the owner of that. anyways, anyways, you know, if they actually are listening to this, you're going to sound really bad. Anyways, though, to answer this question, um, the outlook for the Toronto Arrows is much better than the way that this podcast is ending. Um, but... If you're kind of looking at it, the grand scheme of things with the new format, East East versus West, my prediction for the Toronto Arrows and the Eastern Conference as a whole will be that the Arrows finish first in the East. And then they will be joined. We're going to kind of go out on a bit of a limb with this one. But they're going to be joined by Rooney and Atlanta in the playoffs. Oh. Um, and... Then Toronto is going to beat Rooney in the semifinals to move on to the finals where they will play the San Diego Legion. Oh, you know, that is my Toronto girls prediction. 
I agree with you that I think the arrows will finish first. I think that when you got a forward pack that strong, you can bully your way through most games. And I mean, you look at some of the teams that have been successful in MLR already. You look at the Sea Wolves and how dominant their pack was. Um, you look at the turnaround of San Diego and what caused that turnaround was their pack getting much better. Uh, and you look at the success of the arrows near the end of the year, it was their pack. So I think that they've got a good chance of finishing first. And I think that people are, are kind of giving, not, aren't giving NOLA enough respect. And I, 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 I see why. I definitely see why, because the way they finished their season was kind of sad. But I think, and this is a big, I think, I think that they can rebound from it and have, have a good season. I think that they will, I think they're going to do better than Rooney. I, 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 I genuinely mm-hmm. think so. I, I just don't know what it is about this, this year's Rooney, but I don't feel as confident. And we are Again, making, between the two of us, we are making no friends in New York this week. Whatever. It's just New York. What is it? The biggest city in North America? Whatever. Get out of my face. Fired up that's, already. That's that was a very that was a very Canadian of you telling somebody to get out of your face. Yeah. Sorry, it's not, sorry. Not polite. Yeah, say, yeah, yeah. Sorry, there you go. sorry, sorry. Now, and hand them some poutine. Now, from a if place any, that does If any Rooney fans come north of Toronto, I will buy them a poutine. How's that? That's oh, pretty Canadian. Hold him uh, to that, Rooney fans. But I think. I actually think that Old Glory is going to do uh, the best out of the expansion teams. Um, mm. I like what I've been seeing. I like that Doug Fraser has just been running around like a maniac. I, I like what I see. I, it sounds like their scrum needs a lot of help, which isn't going to be which, good. Hey, I, I, uh, Old Glory scrum could get better when uh, the beast uh, when the you know, beast shows gets up. There, so you know, shows up. You never so know. never know. I just, I, I think my, my, I, I just don't know. I just don't think Old Glory is that deep in the event of. I think they're very top heavy, and it's a long season. That's my, that's my, fair. my essential knock on Old Glory. That's um, fair, but I mean, the argument could be said for Rooney's pack. I mean, they just signed a couple new props, but. It's looking a, a little thin. You know, they lost a couple of key guys from their pack that went to some of those expansion teams, mm. like Ross Deacon. So, hey, listen, a lot of this is we'll see kind of – I expect Nola to bounce back, um, but we'll see. So and the, again so – who, who, who are your three playoff teams in the East then? So I think it's going to be Toronto, Nola, and Rooney. I think in that Old order? Glory will push. I, I yeah, Toronto, Nola, and Rooney. I think that uh, Nola is going to, uh, or, uh, sorry, uh, Old Glory is going to push Rooney, but I think Rooney's just got a little bit more depth. Uh, and then I think that uh, it's going to be uh, Nola and Toronto in the final or Eastern final. And I think the Seawolves are going to beat the the beat San Diego. I just I, I watching Ross Neal play. The guy's an absolute monster. I think he's a game changer. If you put Ross Neal and George Barton together on the same field, it, they are just going to just ruin lives in the West. 
They're gonna they're gonna ruin JP Duplessis and uh, Mananu's lives. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Those are the lives they got to they got to ruin out there, man. I know, but then you throw in Jeff Hassler and then Brock Stoller, and Matt Turner is just the energizer oh, bunny. The guy just runs for days. I don't know, man. I I Luke I think I'm Burton. going with the Seawolves. Pardon? Luke Burton, dude. That's San Diego's backline is is something, man. <sighs> You know what? I I'm sticking with my answer. I think it's gonna be right. it's gonna be a battle of the North. It's gonna be a MLR final in San Diego or in Seattle, which will be a blast. I think they'll be great for the for the uh, the league, and I think that uh, yeah, that'll be my final. Awesome. So you're also going in on Seattle finishes first overall in the league then. As part of that prediction, yes, it'd yes. be a, it'd be a home game in C- it'd be a, the finals going to be in Seattle. I think so. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Interesting. Because I don't think there's anyone else in the West that can I, beat Seattle, and then it'll come down to the San Diego games. Yeah, but if it's, I feel like I feel like I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm taking this a step further with my prediction, but I feel like the MLR final could be a lot closer to home. Like, you know, just just a couple, 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 uh, just a few hour drive based on where you live. Oh boy, I wish that would happen. That would be pretty cool. But you know what? Um, that that's that's also a hot take. So yeah, no, well, well uh, that's the whole point of this. That's the whole point the whole of this, point of this we, podcast. Yeah, exactly. That's how we predicted. Who's uh, you know, okay, who's uh, your wooden spoon then? Oh yeah! Now, now we get hot takes. Uh, I think it's gonna be rugby ATL. Ooh, wow! We went from playoff team to uh, here, eh? I don't. You know, everything you just said about Old Glory, about their depth. I don't think that rugby ATL has any bench better depth than Old Glory. And you know what? I you can only go up from Austin. I think that Austin's going to have a little bit more motivation. You know, they lost a lot of guys, but I think maybe oh. that they, I think that rugby ATL just doesn't have it in them. And I think the East is, I think it's, there's a lot more, um, because there's so many new franchises, I think that there's a little bit more parity, which means that the games are going to be a lot closer, which means the games are going to be more physical and they're going to have more, Impact and as the ATL season goes on, that depth is going to show, and they're just going to slow downwards. Where I think Austin, depending on how Glendale season goes, depending on Houston goes, they might have a chance to win a couple games here and there. I don't know. I think that's in Utah definitely. If the way Utah's playing plays the way they've been playing the preseason, Austin, you know, Austin can yeah. do it. So I think I think rugby ATL's got the wooden spoon. Yeah, I, you know, that's, I mean, obviously I disagreed with that based on my previous prediction. I just like, I kind of like what they've done. You know, they have, uh, you know, Scott Lawrence there. They got the, you know, the coat, like, it's kind of in a weird way. Like, it's, I think it's a good model to kind of build your team off of. Take that local coach, you know, one of the three actual North American coaches in the league. Um, you know, he's been with Life University for a long time. 
um, I believe like 15 years or something like that. Yeah. Um, they took a lot of their team as guys from Life University that have played for him, that understand what is the system and the way that he wants to play rugby. Guys like, you know, Harley Davidson left uh, Colorado to come back and play for play for him and stuff as well. That's good. You said you, Colorado. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, the other Harley joining on the other wing. I like that combination. Um, you add in like, and then you boost the team with some internationals like Heaton and Keys. And, you know, I think, uh, I think it's a good formula for this league. Um, personally, they also had that little, they kind of had that sort of arrows-esque kind of run up with uh, the 404 um, in order to, you know, kind of boost, uh, boost that team going forward too. Um, so I kind of, I kind of like the way that they've been developing and I like that they've been playing preseason games against actual MLR teams. Um, and you know what? That that is and a good they beat point. Nola as well too. So. Well, they beat a lot of Nola players. Nola put a lot of guys on that field, but so did Rugby ATL. That's fair. But and, you know, that's that the, they, they wore two jerseys. They had so many players. Both teams wore two. Yeah. Um, you know what? And it's a good point that you made. Is is Rugby ATL definitely has a arrows esque feel to them. I mean. You can say the same similar thing about um, the Free Jacks, but rugby yeah, Ro- Rooney kind of Rooney kind of does it too. They leaned uh, they leaned heavy on a lot of New York guys and stuff, um, yeah. especially Old Blue so, and Ajax. So, so I guess I guess the comparison between rugby ATL and, and the Arrows is pretty similar. You know, a coach that the team is familiar with. A, you know, you take a university and you compare it to the Blues program, so it's. A little similar. That's, so there yeah, definitely are comparable. Similar, diff- similar but different. Yeah, and, and again, people, you need to remember is these are just going off of what we've seen so far. And unfortunately, MLR has not done a great job of showing us a lot of these teams. I mean, they've all played a good amount of games and we haven't been able to watch them, which I'm not upset that I couldn't see the Free Jacks versus the Boston Independents. You know, that's not a game that I'm too worried about. But when, you know... Rugby ATL plays Old Glory DC. I'd like to be able to see that game. Or if Utah's playing San Diego, I'd like to be able to see that game. Just because that's what's going to get your fans invested. These preseason games, seeing your club guys playing in MLR. I mean, we had an Austin versus Colorado game that we didn't get to see either. So, you know, all our opinions are, are based of hearsay, their say, and recaps of games. So take Everything we say with a grain of salt. We could be geniuses. We could be bad men. We don't know because we weren't really able to watch a whole lot of rugby. That so- this sounds like you're very nervous about your prediction being wrong. But that's just kind of like prediction. a full full disclaimer of I'm probably I'm probably wrong with this entire prediction. It's a little asterisk. We'll put that a little asterisk next to my prediction. Yeah, but but if you're right, you're gonna like play this back and then oh. completely eliminate the fact that you have made. You added this disclaimer to the end of it. Um, yeah, of course I am. That's just how I roll. That's how that's how this whole thing works, Derek. Uh, oh, we we never played back. You know, we never played back the World Cup prediction thing, though. Just to, I'll work on it for next time, maybe. <laughs> uh, but no, we're gonna end it. You buried that. You took that episode like off, like Spotify. It doesn't or exist anymore. iTunes or wherever you get your. <laughs> favorite podcast but um but we are gonna end it there everyone um we wanted to thank you for listening and again if you have any questions about what we said tonight especially our roster predictions 
direct them directly at Derek at Brissett the Jets. I don't want to hear any hate about my predictions because they were amazing. But uh, at LaRouche Rugby on Twitter has a link to all of our previous podcast episodes if you want to catch up and hear about what we said about the World Cup, what we said about last week with uh, all the Canadians in MLR. And, uh, and, you know, in the next few weeks, we've got a couple exciting things happening and the start of a new MLR season. So uh, keep listening and thank you again.